I felt like an outsider, an interloper, the someone else in the room. The the service had begun, oh, about 30 minutes ago, I think, maybe. To be honest, I wasn't actually sure because it was happening when I came in and it was still happening after I was gone. And it wasn't like anything I'd ever experienced. As I was in my seat, there was a voice that was off somewhere to my left around a corner chanting in Hebrew. And I was sitting behind lace curtains and unable to see the stage and everything that was going on up there. There were dozens of men in the room with me, no women. They were on another side. But the men were all walking around talking with each other. They had kippah on and they had uh, prayer shawls called talit. And while the singing and chanting was going on, they were walking around and shaking hands with each other and, and clapping each other on the back and talking about kids and grandkids and business and medical issues and whatever else men and old men talk about. And though many stopped at where I was sitting and said, Lashana Chova to me, and they gave me warm hellos, I just knew I didn't belong. I knew that I wasn't part of what was going on. You see, it all started a few weeks before a business associate of mine who I knew to be Jewish and I were talking and I mentioned that I was starting Hebrew classes. I was very excited about starting Hebrew. And so as we were talking about it, our conversation switched to religion and he talked to me a lot about what he knew about Christianity, most of which was wrong. And I talked to him a little bit about what I knew about Judaism. Probably some of it wrong. And he ended up inviting me to Rosh Hashanah services, New Year's services the following week. Well, me being me, I showed up early, as I tend to do in life. I wore a suit because I figured if you're going to someone's religious services, you should be respectful. Probably, I assumed everybody was going to be in suits. I was wrong. I went to Chabad, which is in Scottsdale, uh, an Orthodox Jewish congregation. And I expected suits. There were a few older men wearing suits, but by and large, people were in T-shirts and jeans. Oh, okay, I didn't expect that. There was even one man, being that this is Scottsdale, who was wearing blue jeans a Roy Rogers-style cowboy shirt, even the pearl buttons and everything, cowboy boots, and a yarmulke. It was an interesting sight, but it's Scottsdale. I stood there waiting for my friend, and he didn't show up on time. And after a little while, he still hadn't been there, and I was watching people going in, and actually some people coming back out. And this old man came up to me. And he had a thick European, Eastern European accent. And he says, I wonder why you do not go in. I said, well, I'm waiting for a friend of mine. I'm not Jewish and I was going to go in with him. He invited me to uh, take part in this. And he said, well, if your friend is not here from this day forward, you and I are friends. And he grabbed me by the shoulder and escorted me in. He introduced himself as Lev. And he said, you will need a kippah. I said, I'm sorry. At the time, I don't even know what that is. Evidently, that's like a yarmulke. 
And I said, I'm sorry, I don't own one. He said, uh, he laughed and he says, what color do you want? Red, blue, green, black, we've got them all. He took me to a drawer and we got a kippa out and I put on a kippa for the first time in my life. That was interesting. The service appeared to already be going on and Lev took me and found a seat for me behind the lace curtains. And then he went away, leaving me by myself with everybody talking, talking in English but worshiping in Hebrew. He came back a few minutes ago with a rabbi, straight out of central casting in Hollywood. This guy was about this tall. He had a beard like this. He had the little curls. He had black clothes on and the yarmulke and the little round glasses. I couldn't have made him up. That's what he looked like. And he came up to me and started talking to me in Hebrew. Now, Before COVID, I had a much bigger, thicker beard and have long kept a long beard. And I've had people confuse me for Greek Orthodox and confuse me with being Jewish. In fact, Pastor Bernie, who's also bearded, and I were walking uh, somewhere downtown one time. We were wearing suits because we were going to a funeral. And somebody said, are you guys Jewish? Sure. Shalom. But anyway, the rabbi began speaking to me in Hebrew because I think he maybe thought that I might be a Jewish visitor. And I said, I'm sorry, I'm not Jewish and I don't speak Hebrew. And he smiled, a really big, warm smile. And he said, that's okay. And I kind of had this vision of Mel Brooks, the comedian, say, I'm not Jewish. That's okay. Not everybody's perfect. He welcomed me, gave me a booklet to follow along with, and then wandered off. And over the next half an hour, 45 minutes, he and Lev both came back several times bringing other men to introduce themselves to me and say hi. And it was very warm and friendly. And, um, but I still fell out, out of place because they were doing things. They were going through this book when they weren't talking during the service. They were going through this book in Hebrew and it had English on the other side. But all of a sudden, everybody would stand up together. And I'd be like, oh, crap, I got to stand up. And then they'd sit down. Sit down. I'm the only one standing. And then they'd take two steps back and they'd bow. And it, it was, if you've ever visited a Catholic service, it wasn't entirely unlike that. There were people doing things. I didn't know the cues. So I was always like a beat behind trying to keep up with it. And I felt noticeable. I felt like I stood out like a sore thumb. There were definitely rules and I didn't know them. And I had to be an outsider because of that. I will tell you the first time I visited our church here as an atheist, I came in and I was really uncomfortable and felt out of place. Everybody was nice. They really were. In fact, in some ways it felt like a home I'd never been to. But I felt out of place and people were doing things that I didn't know what was going on. And, you know, they start off with the singing and then they uh, had somebody came up and gave a short, well, what we call call to worship. And it had a little message in it. And then everybody started singing again, a couple more songs. And then all of a sudden, everybody starts milling around. The song stopped and everybody's walking around. Well, that was greeting times. I will tell you, one of the first things I instituted when I took over at, at this church was that we announce what we're doing. Because I was like, are we done? I figured church would be more than 15 minutes long. Okay. I was an outsider. I didn't know what was going on. 
I don't want to be an outsider and I don't want other people to feel like outsiders. And one of the things that I find in church is that tendency to come together in a clique and have all the knowledge and all the rules. And I discovered early on as a Christian, shortly after I was baptized, I was excited about being a Christian. This was all new stuff to me. And then I encountered a little thing called legalism, a set of rules that I didn't know. There was a guy that I worked with who was a pastor. He worked at the bank by vocational. So he was working at the bank during the day. And on Sundays, he was a pastor on Wednesday nights. And I was excited to tell him. I was like, I'm a pastor or I'm a Christian now. I got baptized. And instead of being excited for me, welcoming me into the community, the first thing he said is, you're going to have to get rid of that earring. What? You can't have that. That's against God to have something like that. Then I discovered people who told me I couldn't drink alcohol. And people who had expectations for me to do. Often things that weren't biblical. They were just things, rules that had been created by this clique of Christians. Good thing is my predecessor here, Pastor Chip Moody, was against that kind of stuff strongly. And the church that was here had become a place that people could come to to heal from church abuse. In fact, I met lots of people who had been spiritually abused at other churches. Where a pastor would stand up on stage and look at you and call you out for something that he had found out you'd done. My friends, I'll tell you, that's never going to happen here like that. Absolutely not. It would take something pretty amazing. In fact, I can tell you in the entire time I've been here, the only time I ever knew that happened was somebody who was, was a man who had come to our church and was uh, uh, going along the older ladies and making them feel not so lonely so they'd give him money. And Pastor Chip said, I'm going to get up and tell people that you're doing that because that's not okay. Okay, I kind of get that. But by and large, you don't call someone out until they're at a point where they're hurting other people and doing things that's going to be a problem like that. As we sat around the table here working on this current series called As You Are, there were five of us around the table, and I'm the only one that didn't have a story of church abuse. Five of us. And I'm the only one that hadn't experienced legalism to that degree where it hurts people. That saddened me and actually surprised me. When I was going to Bible college, one of the requirements was to go to an AA meeting in one of my counseling classes. And that's the day that I saw what church ought to be. Because you go to an AA meeting, and, and I apologize if you've heard me say this before, because it touched me that much. I've mentioned it in conversation before. But I walked in that room, and the vision shook me. Because again, I felt like an outsider, but not for long. Because when I walked in that room, everybody greeted me and welcomed me. And they didn't ask who I was or why I was there. I was just welcome. And then as AA meetings do, they go through all of the time together and they begin giving out chips. You see, you can be a drunk and stumble into an AA meeting hungover. You, you drank 
to excess the previous night and you stumble in the next morning to an AA meeting and they welcome you in, booze on your breath, maybe even a little stumbling, maybe you vomited on yourself, you're welcome. And they say, welcome, brother. Here's a chip, just a little coin, a little plastic coin that says, I've been sober for so many hours, 12 hours, 24 hours. They give you a chip. And then if you keep coming back, they give you another one each day and another one each day and then a week. And they give you one to commemorate a month and then six months and then a year and then 18 months and two years, five years, 10 years. You get these chips each step along the way of being sober. They encourage you. They reward you. And the cool thing that happens is you can be sober for 20 years. Something happened in your life, crashes. And you go out and you get drunk. You fall off the wagon. You drink yourself silly for weeks, maybe months. And then one day you realize that's where I was supposed to be back there with those people. And you walk in the room embarrassed, ashamed. Maybe the alcohol still on your breath. Stumbling into the room, and what do they do? Get out of here. You failed. You screwed up. No. They say, Welcome home, brother. Here's your chip. 24 hours sober. That's the vision of what I think the church should be. See, a couple weeks ago, I got invited by a couple friends to go to a celebrate recovery meeting, which is very similar to AA and uses a lot of the same 12-step concepts. And it shook me again. It, it woke me up. Like, this is what I've been, I, I've just had this on my heart. I have this longing for something like this. This longing to have a church that looks like this and is like this. And so when we began talking about a possible new series, Pastor Bernie and I I introduced him to that idea. And he's like, wow, that's beautiful. I would love to be a part of something like that. You see, when I read the New Testament, I read about Jesus. He's this full of overwhelming grace to the broken. In fact, the only people that he's harsh on are the ones who use religion to push down others, to beat them up. Those are the people that he's tough on. The other people, the people who are broken, the woman who's caught in adultery, the woman at the well, Zacchaeus, the tax collector who had stolen from people, Matthew, the tax collector who becomes his disciple, Simon the zealot, a part of a group that is essentially the uh, uh, ancient Palestine version of a terrorist group. He welcomed him in. He took in the broken. He was with drunks and prostitutes and sinners. All those bad people that the religious people were down on, he welcomed them in. He was even accused by the religious leaders being a drunkard and a partier because he went with people like that. His response in Luke 5.31 was, it's not the healthy that need a doctor. It's the sick. I come to help them out. There's a little backhand comment there of, yeah, you're not as righteous as you think you are. We, you, and me 
We're not here to be perfect or for people who are perfect. We're here for broken people like us. How do we get this so mucked up? That last song we sung this morning about trees clapping their hands. I've never seen a tree clap its hands, but that comes from Isaiah chapter 55. And that's where we're going to look at today. Isaiah chapter 55, because it's this vision that's in the Bible of welcoming. This vision of God's invitation. So I'm going to just read this to you. Isaiah 55 beginning at verse one, he says, come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters and you who have no money, come buy and eat, come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on that, which does not satisfy. Listen, listen to me. And eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come listen, that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to King David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you do not know, and nations you've never met will come running to you, because the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, he will freely pardon. What a welcome. Come where your thirst can be quenched. Come where your hunger can be fulfilled, where you'll be satisfied. Come where no matter what you've done, you can turn to God and he will freely pardon you. It's not a call to perfection. It's a call to recognize your need for God and to turn to him. And you will find welcome. Jesus echoes that call several times. One specifically in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30, he says, come to me, all you are who are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, Jesus doesn't call us to a bunch of religious rules. He doesn't call us to be judgmental. He calls us to make judgment, which is right, to look at things and figure them out and go by God's way. Yeah. But to be judgmental, that's something more, something different. That's pushing religion down on other people. And let's be honest, is that not the biggest complaint that we hear from non-believers? Judgmentalism in the church, hypocrisy in the church. Well, let's just go ahead and acknowledge that it exists and we got to work on it. The idea of an abusive, spiritually abusive church where people are calling you out. Or people are looking at you because you don't wear the same kind of clothes at them. Or you don't make the right money. Or you have a job that they don't approve of. Or you have a spouse they don't approve of. Or maybe you're divorced. Or maybe you've used drugs. Or maybe you have tattoos. Or whatever god-awful list of things there are. I don't want to be in that place. I don't want to be around those people. I want to be around the people where I come in and I'm broken and I'm hurt. And they say, hey, welcome home, brother. Here's your chip. And we don't have chips. Maybe we should get some. 
I've even as a pastor stepped on someone's toes in something like this. When I was in Bible college, uh, I had a college friend uh, who was connected and she had served here a couple times doing, uh, helping out with some events and things like that. And I said, man, you should come here. That's a great church. You should come join us. And I sent her several inv- invitations and invited her to events that we have and invited her Sundays. And she kind of drew back further and further and further. And eventually just didn't respond. So I talked to her and I asked her, I said, you know, did I do something wrong? Did it hurt your feelings? And she's like, I come out of a church like that. The church that I went to in Colorado, you were expected to be there on Wednesday nights for prayer meeting, on Thursday nights for youth group, on Saturday mornings for service, on Sunday mornings for worship, on Sunday evenings for evening worship. If church was going on and you weren't there, you were treated like you had done something terribly wrong. I had, that's not what I was trying to put across, but my goodness, to recognize that that kind of stuff goes on, that people go to places where they are abused. I shared some years ago a video that we had uh, of a church where the pastor stood up front and he looked at a specific man and told him he was evil and told him he knew what he'd been doing and he needed to get right with God and just chewed him out from the pulpit. I would never go to a place like that. I don't know why someone would. Preparing for this series, I was listening to a song. There's a movie called Leap of Faith with Steve Martin. If you've seen it, great movie. If you haven't seen it, I recommend it. In fact, I'll put a link to the song on Facebook later. I'd like to play the song here, but because we're broadcasting live, if you play copyrighted music, they kick you off the air. But in this song, it's called Change in My Life, and it's an old black gospel song. And it says, I've been lonely. I've been cheated. I've been misunderstood. I've been washed up. I've been put down, been told I'm no good. But with you, I belong because you help me be strong. There's a change in my life since you came along. You see, not all of us are alcoholics or drug users or go to 12-step programs like AA or NA or Celebrate Recovery. But all of us can recognize that I've been cheated. I've been lonely. I've been misunderstood. I've been washed up. I've been put down. I've been told I'm no good. There's depression. There's anxiety. There's failures. There's all kinds of sin that we're all caught up in. In addition to that, there's addictions. There's broken relationships. There's all kinds of stuff. And we all need God. We need Jesus Christ. We need also for others to understand. We need a place that's safe to go to so we can explore how to get closer to this God who invites us in and says, forsake those sins and I will freely pardon you. That's a process. That's not instantaneous. I've met a few people in their life that said I came to Jesus and alcohol was gone for good. I was never drunk anymore. But that's not most people's story. I've been a Christian for 24 some odd years now, and I still struggle with sin and still struggle to learn lessons, sometimes quite painfully. I need Jesus and I need you. I need the people that are out there who are fellow Christians that I can come back in the room and they say, welcome, brother. I think you need that, too. 
whether it's the first time or the 20th time, if you've backslid, that's another one of those little code words that are used. If you've fallen back, if you struggled, you got to be welcoming here. You got to be welcome amongst each other and amongst us. Welcome home, brother. Here's your chip. And see, that's the message for God's people from the beginning, from Adam and Eve. They sinned three chapters into the Bible. They barely got started and they screwed up. Abraham comes along and God calls him to come and follow him to a new place. There's the whole promised land, the kings and all the messed up things that the people of Israel did as they were screwing up. And the prophets kept calling them back. Come back, come back. Jesus came and he called the people of Israel to came. Come, Paul comes and he begins calling the Gentiles, the other people of the world, the us's of the world to come to God. God is constantly calling us home and welcoming us back. And so it comes back to this message in Isaiah 55, because at the end, he says, like we sang in the song, he describes this refreshing place. He says, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making buds flourish, so it yields seeds for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that comes from out of my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent us. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you and all the trees of the fields will clap their hands. Joy, what joy to be in a place that's refreshed, has God's welcome and his message and his free pardon. And we have to be that. Jesus says that the angels rejoice in heaven over even one person coming back to God. There's no legalism in that place, only a warm embrace, feasting, and a home. And that's what the church needs to be. Newcomers are going to feel out of place. They're going to feel unsure. We just need to make sure that they don't feel judged and unwelcome. It's a call for us to make them feel at home. As I experienced in that Rosh Hashanah service long ago with my friend Lev, got to demonstrate that love and that joyfulness and that welcoming in. The ministry of Jesus was all about generous grace and open-handed welcome to those who were outcasts and undesirables by everybody else. We're told that Jesus did not come to condemn the world, but to save it. So if you have an addiction, come, come as you are. If you're homeless, come as you are. If you don't have money and clothes or your clothes are worn out, come as you are. If you've done awful things in life, come as you are. If you've had awful things done to you, come as you are. If you're a recovering legalist and a rule follower, come as you are. We'll work on that one. If you have doubts and questions about God, come as you are. If you have depression, anxiety, or any other mental health issues, come as you are. For those of us who've already received the call, but still slip up, come as you are. We have to let other people know that they can come as you are. Because God's invitation is for all of us. Come as you are.